0: Welcome to the Modern Woodworkers Association, a podcast about woodworking from folk who woodwork. Woodworking is what we do, who we are, and what we like to talk about. So join us as we have a drink, sit around, and talk woodworking.
1: Hi, and welcome to the 325th episode of the Modern Woodworkers Association podcast. I'm Kyle Barton. I'm here with my co-host, Sean Wisniewski. Today, we're visiting with Jason Thigpen, an accomplished leather maker, furniture maker, owner of Texas Heritage Woodwork, and our favorite Aggie. So welcome to the show, Jason.
0: Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. I
1: had to hey, get the Aggie back. part in there. Oh, yeah, well, you...
0: I, I like the favorite Aggie part. I'm um, I assuming mean, mm-hmm. a... hundreds and hundreds of Aggies, and I'm the cream of the crop.
1: That's right. That's right.
2: Yeah, I mean, you're either... what's, what's, what constitutes an Aggie? Let's clear this up for the, North, the Midwesterners of, of this. Are they, that um, just a a, Texan.
0: A graduate of Texas A&M U- University.
2: Okay. Okay. So you're okay. I, and I, I don't even think I knew that about you. Um. That being said, I don't know who else Kyle knows. <laughs> that is <isn't> an Aggie, because <laughs> I don't well, think I know anyone but you now. Yeah. So it, it, by by default, that makes you my favorite. Yes. Yes. Excellent. I, I
1: would have to say that uh, what's funny is I can say Jason is my favorite Aggie because um, a uh, real good friend of mine, we carpooled together to work for. What Eight years together, and he's a an Aggie too, and his name is also Jason. <laughs> Let's get into some woodworking news, but uh, the first thing is, is is not a is not a great story. It is kind of sad to hear about Nancy Hiller and she's starting her cancer treatment. I just wanted to give a shout out to her and all of our thoughts and prayers go out to her and her journey ahead and wishing her the best.
2: Absolutely, Absolutely. yeah, it's really sad to hear uh, yeah hope she, well, hope she pulls through.
1: Yeah. But expre- extremely, uh, uh, brave of her and probably a little bit cathartic to, you know, um, you know, do some of the blog posts she did. And, uh, she posted something on lost art press and also on her own, um, uh, website called making things work. So mm. if, um, if, y- if y'all are interested in, in, uh, in Nancy's uh, upcoming journey, and um, you know, it's well well worth the uh, read, and it's very uh, it's very heartwarming. Actually. Yeah,
0: and- it, it is. Sarah and I were heartbroken to hear the news. She's such a wonderful influence, just in the woodworking community, but just as a person overall. Nancy's oh yeah. One of the the most kind hearted people I've ever met, and so um, it, it's an absolute shame. I hope that she uh she fights
1: it hard. Yeah. Um. I'm sure she will. She's got that determination. That's for sure.
2: Oh, for sure. And and Her little, the piece that she wrote up closes with, don't hesitate to speak up for yourself or your loved ones. I mean, that's, I think Mm -hmm. that's important for all all, during this, you know, Mm -hmm. let's take care of ourselves, take care of our bodies, take care of our health. Yeah. It's super important.
1: Yeah. So all the best, Nancy, and we're, you're in our thoughts and prayers and, uh, and we're with you all the way. Absolutely. So let's move on to, um, a new one time tool from our favorite one time tool maker, Woodpeckers. So this is actually kind of interesting if you do a lot of built ins, and it is called the Stair Tread and Shelf Gauge. And it's kind of like, um, one of those gauge bars that has two bevel squares on the end of it, I want to say, Mm -hmm. but, um, basically you, um, you, uh, put the, put this bar, uh, against the back edge of a shelf or stair tread, and then you extend it out. And then these two, um, I want to say bevel gauges at the end will, um, reference off the, the sides of whatever you're trying to put a tread or a shelf into so that you can cut it where it will fit. So, you know, this is, like I said, real, Real good for uh, built-ins where, you know, the walls are never square and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. But if you do a lot of that, it's kind of a unique unique tool um, as long as it fits in what you're trying to do. I think it does have some, um, you know, limitations on the length of I think it's like, oh, it was like 17 inches to like 64 inches uh, is what it will work within. So,
2: um, you know, if you do built-ins, I think it's it's pretty unique. Yeah, that I've seen stuff like this, um, before, not nearly this precise, but the idea that it's like two rails with movable things on the end because when you're installing or retrofitting stair treads, you know, there's little chance that those are true, like 90 degree or parallel on the sides kind of things. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's really cool that they're, they're bringing out something like that. I mean, they're always good for some innovative, precise, slightly red (laughs) thing to, uh, (laughs) To, to do but yeah. yeah
1: yeah it's not especially cheap it's like 300 bucks but if yeah. you do a lot of this it would surely pay for itself within a job or two yeah
2: there's a whole lot of metal in there so i mean there's, yeah there's a lot of couple couple different joints to move and slide and clamp down on so um i mean check it out i mean that's definitely a you know you know it's it you know something like this is something like when i I heard about Festival after I was out of the trades, mm-hmm. but saw Festival first and thought, boy, that's an expensive, you know, circular saw. But then seeing the tradesmen that use them, and you go, oh, that makes sense because it takes away some of the, the things that you worry about and mm-hmm. the extra cost, you know, it bleeds into results at the far, at the further end. If you were, you know, if you're a, a, Whatever, I mean stairs or and this could even go into cabinetry if you're retrofitting.
3: Mm-hmm. You know,
2: where you're dealing with existing it's funny enough, like today, uh a friend of the show, Vic Hubbard, posted a thing about a uh, like a walk in pantry he's doing.
3: Mm-hmm. And he
2: he taped out all the like layout of what he's doing and he said there's there's seriously I saw
3: yeah.
2: yeah, he said there's yeah. not a there's not a clean angle to, to deal with in this entire thing, not up, down or sideways. You know, and that's that's a case where I mean, maybe not the exact application, but if you don't know, your house is not a square. <laughs> you know, it's not. No, rarely is a corner 90 degrees. That's the reason we cope joints in in trim and and things like that. Like there's. When they
1: invented cock.
2: Yeah, that's why they invented cock. Exactly because <laughs> stuff just doesn't come out right, or or it changes over time as it dries out and stuff. So yeah, there's there's an application for this. I mean there there's no doubt that they they do a little look and, and say there is a market for this. They may not sell a 100, but if they sell a dozen, I'm sure they'll be happy.
1: Yeah, and I'm sure some of the trades get a hold of this. You know, if you got a high-end trim carpenter or something, they would probably jump at something like that. For sure. Yeah. So, well, cool. Well, um, next, I think we might have a little discussion on this next topic. Uh, At least I am. (laughs) And that is... uh, petrograde toolworks they're a uh, russian company and we highlighted them um i don't know a few months ago um and they make hand tools and such you know anything from chisels to carving tools to draw knives even and uh, all kinds of different tools and they're based out of russia and their tools look pretty good in fact um i got uh one of our listeners uh, charles uh Rosé, if i'm saying that Correctly, which I'm not. So, Charles, you get, you know, Kyle Butcher in your name. So, check mark there.
3: <laughs> um,
1: but anyway, he's at uh, Bow Resistance, which I think means hardwood in French. He's uh, from Quebec, I believe. But um, he sent me a, a note saying that he actually ordered some stuff from them. Um, it came in fine from Russia. Their ordering process is a little funny. Um, but he said it came in fine. Uh, no, you know, no. I guess duty fees or anything. Everything was perfectly fine, and he really liked the tools. He thought they were good quality, so that was good to good to see. But apparently, Workshop uh, Heaven out of the UK is now carrying them, so that might make it a little bit easier to order. Might make the um, shipping charges a little bit better too, because I've ordered from Workshop Heaven, and their shipping charges are very reasonable coming from the UK. So, you know, if you're interested in, in Petrograde Toolworks, you might want to check that out. But in looking at them, um, actually this afternoon, in one of their stories, they had pictured what looked like plane hangers. I don't know if you saw that, Jason. <laughs> uh-huh. I,
0: I did, and I also had several uh, people send me messages. Um, yes. Uh, same thing, too. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it looks like yeah. they're not as nice as yours. It looks like they were riveted together instead of stitched.
0: Yeah, um, I saw that, and uh, I think they're all, like, stitched on machine, too. The stitching that was on there was, like, accent stitching. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah I, I, yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, I now, I went, to their
1: website. Yeah, I went to, to the re- website. Yeah, I went to the website to see if I could find them. I couldn't find them listed
3: anywhere.
0: Well, it, I don't seems, know. You know, uh, it seems like that company, I've been following them on Instagram for a bit, and it's, like, every week they come out with a new tool. Like, I think yep. they've got guys, there they're just cranking out new ideas and new stuff, so... Um, I think their website's getting updated constantly with new offerings.
1: Yeah, it may be, and maybe I didn't didn't find it. But it's like, uh, I don't know I'm about it. was just
0: gonna guys. stay quiet when y'all talked about them today, but then you asked me directly, so I had to answer.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the first thing that, that, that got to me. I go, oh, that's those are plane hangers, and that's a plane holster next to it. Uh-huh. What the hell are they doing? Like
3: uh-huh. I said, I.
1: I couldn't find any way to buy it on their website.
3: Either.
0: That's okay. They, uh, some people look at the, the plane hangers and all they really see is two pieces of leather stitched together. And they wonder why in the world I'm charging $35 for something like that. And I, I totally understand and respect that mindset. Um, those kind of customers generally aren't the ones that are steady customers of ours. Mm-hmm. So this could be an avenue where th- those kind of people might want to go and, and buy some accessories for their workshop and not have yeah. to spend the money they don't think they don't need to spend so it's okay
1: yeah well i'm if not I gonna trust any
0: kind of competition i wouldn't be constantly trying to get better and better
1: exactly there you go that's a, that's the right attitude to have but i still wouldn't trust my uh my uh 300 hand plane to three rivets
0: i wouldn't either especially those tubular <laughs> cap rivets Worst yeah. rivets fit in leather so
1: man well what with, with um uh, that great news so uh let's <laughs> go, go on to what's in the shop so
2: sean what are you working on uh, you know, I just, I, I got a little bit of time here, uh, over the weekend. It was kind of dreary, so we were stuck inside. And I, I, uh, my shop is, is small and it's cluttered. And, uh, I've got this rolling tool cart. I actually upgraded my old tool storage not too long ago. And, but it had been sitting kind of off to the side with a pile of scrap behind it. And so mm-hmm. it's kind of in the floor space. So I, I made a point to move it and try to figure out a different spot for it to fit next to my makeshift bench. And then I had an extra set of LED uh, lights. I pick up at Costco. They're like 40 maybe not even $40 for like two four-foot LED strips. Um, that can like work serially. So you can plug in more than one. And they're mm-hmm. all on individual drawstrings. Mm-hmm. And so I, I configured my lighting a little better. So now I've actually got more lighting in the area. Um, just trying, there's more to do, but, um, yeah, it's still cluttered, but at least now I I have a little more walking space to go in between things. So just, just a little, little tidy up, nothing, nothing major. Um, I did make a, 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 a late fall jacket for my beehive as well. That's a whole nother thing. But, um, basically to help them insulate a little bit in the, in the cooling weather up here, um, they now have a coroplast sleeve over the hive. Hmm. That uh, that is just a a little bit of a windbreak, a little bit of a thermal barrier, just just to try to help them. It's kind of kind of weird how they act when it gets cold. They get tight to the middle and they go up to the top, and mm-hmm. just giving them a little bit of extra uh, has shown. I, I'm doing this under guidance of others uh, to give them a little more comfort, a little more availability to uh, absorb some of the heat without letting it be drawn away with a cool air. You know, the sun, the sun will warm them up and it'll kind of help them a little bit. And then when it gets into the deep, deep winter, we'll get, we'll get steady below freezing. I'll eventually insulate them with rigid insulation as well.
1: Well, if you need more bees, uh, Jason might be able to help you out next year. <laughs> you got hives? No, <laughs> no, you had an invasion last year, right?
0: We, we had a swarm come through yeah. looking for a oh. looking for a hive, yeah. basically. And, we just happened to be outside when we heard it. Um, you know, sound like a helicopter coming mm. over, and then you could see just the cloud <laughs> moving and morphing through the sky. And oh, I bet that was cool. Yeah, it was. It was so cool. Um, yeah. And then landed on a tree right close to one of my one of our workshops out here. And as the afternoon progressed, like they the, just a big mass of bees started to gather on the outside of this tree. And uh, I don't know mm-hmm. how many, a few thousand possibly, just looking at it. But oh, yeah, It was the size of like two basketballs put together, maybe. Like a big just hanging off a tree. And it was, it was nuts. And I didn't want them to put a hive there because it's like right in the middle of all of my workshop areas. So it, there would not be a spot where I need to have bees. Um, yeah. I, I,
2: I don't totally know the, the wild activity of them, but swarming is when a queen is mobile.
3: Mm-hmm. And
2: there's a reason that they're they're moving and she basically isn't happy with her current living space. They're not gonna house there. They do that while scouts go out and find different places.
0: See, we had some we had some bees come to that exact same tree last year at about the same time. Oh, it just might and be a
2: they, a, a- fun branch
0: <laughs> it might it's like it's like a, it's like a stopping point on the way to somewhere it might be i mean it's a magnet but, but yeah the one the hive that landed previously landed there and stayed overnight and the next day they were gone and there's just a littlest piece of honeycomb like the size of the palm of yeah. your hand, that had just started
3: um Crazy but that what was they it do.
0: but but these bees that the next day they're, they're bigger and i was worried they're going to try to maybe get established they look like they're calming down oh. and we have some friends of ours here in town who had just built a top bar hive and had been looking for a, uh, a hive to locate into it, oh. and so we called them up, and they came out the following day in their bee suits and brought their hive out and, and uh, took the bees. It was cool. a neat, it was a neat experience.
2: Yeah, I haven't, I haven't been able to experience that just yet. I installed a nuke. We've, we've then cared for that hive throughout the seasons, and uh, now we're trying to winter that hive and, and see. But yeah, that's, it's crazy what they can do. I, I put a thing in. Um, to actually recover some honey, you put in this—well, you don't have to, but the way of doing it that's a little less invasive is to put in—it's um, like a trap. That's a, basically a, 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 a shim that has one-way gates on it that they can only leave. They can't get back in. And you put that between their upper honey store, which was, for us, like a total— we just installed it a month before. There was barely much honey in there, but that's what we wanted to just take, and they got the rest of the whole hive to themselves um it i left it in there too long at like four days and by the time we took it off they were they were combing it up already they were they were building on it just adding to it they glued it down to the other bits of the frame like they they're they're crazy uh industrious little little beings Hmm. Uh, yeah yeah and it's and it's wild to see them what they do for you know how they build you build the comb to fill the comb they're they're just working they're they're workers they've got nothing else to do yeah they're,
0: they're fascinating creatures the the neatest part to me whenever they came and, and, and got the bees that landed on that tree was we tried to get them just to relocate into the hive naturally just by putting the pheromones in there and seeing if they would move um right but it didn't it didn't work so we ended up just taking the top of the hive off and they got my friends got just a big brush basically and brushed like the entire lump of bees into the hive and then put the lid on and the bees didn't freak out they didn't I thought for sure we were all going to die from a bee <laughs> attack I don't know um it was just neat seeing a mass of living creatures get just swept into a box and yeah. it was just it was just
2: so cool to see in person for sure yeah I mean in a very much much smaller scale and not not the, not quite the same but when we when I installed the nuke um you we bought this little package of bees it was about the size of you said two basketballs was that swarm my nuke was about two softballs you know, smaller, Mm -hmm. um, but the queen is in this cage and it's protected with cork. So they can't get to her. They can feed her through screen, but they can't, she's not allowed to leave. Well, what you do is you, you kind of put that on the hive and you release that cork and there's still a candy cork inside that, that they can eat out. And then I just set the box next to the hive and they like ants were marching in lines into the hive. They were just leaving going, Oh, she's in there. I got to go there. And they're just following the scent. And you could tell him that it was like two by two down the line and in within an hour. However, many hundreds and hundreds of bees I got were all out of the box that came in and into the hive that I hung the queen in. And they were they're hanging her out. And within four hours, she was released. And it was just game on. And then then the population grows and and it just goes crazy. Super, super cool. Anyway, off of bees, Kyle, what do you got you in, in your shop? (laughs)
1: um let's see i don't have bees i have a few spiders though yeah uh, yeah (laughs) but no uh adirondack chair is what i'm working on and i will be working on um um for those listeners where we've been recording these last two uh or last four episodes kind of back to back with not much of a break so it doesn't sound like i'm getting much done It's because I'm not getting much done, but anyway, (laughs) um, but um, I do have all the parts milled almost to final thickness and we'll mill everything to final thickness tomorrow and then I'll start cutting out parts. So hopefully by the next time we record, uh, I'll say the Adirondack chair is completed and delivered. So um, that's what I'm hoping anyway. So I've been doing that and um, then I've been also working on a couple of secret projects, um, that have both had some progress. One of those, I uh, can't mention one of those I, I've already alluded to before, and that's working on a six degree, um, steel reamer. Yeah. And, uh, I am making some progress on that front with, that's uh, amazing. another fellow chairmaker. So, um, no names mentioned and hopefully, uh, we have some fruition on that. So. That's, that's upcoming. Mm-hmm. But, very uh,
3: hmm?
0: So that's very interesting. I just Googled today, six degree tapered steel reamer. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I need one for my chair build and I don't want to make one out of wood. Um, I was yep. I could buy an offering that's out there. Yeah. Huh.
1: I mean, you know, there are plenty of uh, people selling the wooden reamers, but mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, the steel ones, there's no one making a six degree. Uh, steel reamer Um, but hopefully soon there will be
0: so very cool
1: you know just take a slow roll on your chair give us a couple of
3: months
1: (laughs) (laughs) and uh, hopefully we'll be bringing something to market on on that front but with that Jason so so what's in your shop
0: so right now as far as like extra stuff that I'm working on it's a this democratic chair Mm -hmm. um, the the Curtis Buchanan um, design
3: yeah, you're making
1: some great progress on that too.
0: Thanks, man. It's it's been a lot of fun, and it's this is all brand new to me. Um, like it, it's it's I've been doing 100% of the work on the shave horse with a draw knife uh, up to this point, and it's using all super straight grain, super wet red oak that I got from Tennessee from Greg Pennington. Mm-hmm. So I've never worked straight grain green wood before. Um, we just don't have any species down here in my area that's good for that. So it's been awesome to be able to use a draw knife like the people I see on the YouTube videos. <laughs>
3: yep.
0: <laughs> it, it's neat to peel off a huge shaving and like, it, it's just such a cool feeling.
3: Um, uh-huh.
0: so yeah, it's been a lot of fun and it's, it's, it's crazy hard to have that kind of control with a draw knife and to be able to, to work wood this way. Um, I was surprised at first how difficult some of the steps were. Um, but as you keep working at it, you just keep getting better and better and. Mm-hmm. The parts I'm making now are vastly better than the ones I started doing just two weeks ago. So I, I love seeing improvement every day. So that's been a lot of fun. But yeah, it's mostly this chair that I've been working on outside of my, my normal stuff. And, uh, I'm loving it. And this, the seat is what's next. I got some, uh, some white pine from Greg as well. That'll oh, be cool. The seat out yeah. of, um, and I've always used, I've got those, uh, the tapered reamers from Lee Valley that are like the 11 or 12 degree. Yeah, they're I, like,
1: yeah, I think they're more like twelve degrees or Yeah, they're
0: they're pretty steep and I've been wanting, you know, a narrower mm-hmm. taper. Um I feel like it's just a, a stronger joint and mm-hmm. uh, tighter fitting and all that. So yeah, it's, it's what I've just been kinda of flirting with the idea of making one out of wood, um, with the, the you know the metal blade, but I just I just don't have that kind of time right now and I I've so I've been looking at other options and it's my first thought because I love the metal tape of the part of the taper dreamer for the value. Um, so I was just looking for metal ones in six degrees and I can't find them. I found a few like seven degree ones used in machinist operations, but.
1: Yeah. And I actually tried one of those, um, and it just doesn't work well in wood. It's got too many flutes on it and it just grabs.
0: Yeah. Too many flutes will make it. Yeah. Yeah. It's not around. Yeah.
1: But yeah, I I went, I don't think this will work, but Hey, it was Amazon free return. So I figured, let me give it a shot. There you go. (laughs) No, it didn't work. Yeah. (laughs)
0: <laughs> but yeah, other than that chair, I've got the standard stuff going. You know, Christmas is coming up. So we're like in the middle of our busiest time of year. So I'm working on aprons and tool rolls and block plane holsters and plane hangers and all that, everything that oh, we yeah. make. Oh yeah, I imagine
1: I, it's just crazy right it, It's
0: pretty nuts. Um, it, yeah. There's times where I just have to stop and try to figure out what I need to do next because there's so many things I can't think of which one has priority. So it's
3: it, it's good.
0: It's great. <laughs> I'd rather be busy than not at all. But uh, I'm, I'm ready to have a bigger shop. It's not as cluttered, so I can be more organized. So things aren't as stressful as they can be at this time of year.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah. I enjoyed your post, and before we uh, just remind me to talk a little bit about your plane hangers, because I liked the the post you did today where you were putting, I guess, the chisel into the uh, yeah. You had a little jig set up, but yeah. Before before we get there, so for uh, new listeners um that may not be familiar with Jason and uh, Texas Heritage Woodworks. So just tell us a little bit about Texas Heritage Woodworks and how you got started. The yeah, uh, sure I, I guess the nickel tour.
0: Yeah, I can I can do that. i I can definitely give you the nickel tour on this one. Yeah. Um so I have been doing Texas Heritage full time now, um for just a little over six years. Um I quit my full time job in October of twenty fourteen to pursue this. Um prior to this I was a mechanic. Um And I, my wife and I bought a house outside of Austin um, back in like 2008. And I started kind of getting into woodworking then, you know, like building cabinets and doing Mm -hmm. fixer-upper projects around the house. And um, after a couple of years, I got to where I felt I needed a a proper workshop apron um, and started looking online for one and could never find something that I liked. Um, Everything didn't have an option that I felt it should have or had extra stuff I didn't want. And so I ended up making my own. And at around that time, I just joined Instagram and I have 30 or 40 followers. And I posted a photo of my apron on Instagram. And one of those followers uh, was a gentleman named Todd Nebel. And he contacted me and wanted to buy an apron like I had made. And so I, I made another one and sent it to him and he posted a photo. And then I got other messages from other woodworkers and it just kept growing. Um, And after one year of doing aprons on the side, like nights and weekends and stuff like that, um, I'd also started making tool rolls. At that time, Mm -hmm. after one year of doing that as a hobby, it got to where business was so good, and we were getting in enough orders, and we were busy enough that I quit my full-time job. Um, My wife was a stay-at-home mom. She had two young boys at home at the time, was pregnant with our third, and that's when I quit to do this full-time. And we've been. I I remember. I
1: remember it. Woodworking in America when she was pregnant with the third.
0: Yeah, mm. and you know, that was our first ever woodworking show. That was uh yeah. 2014 in Winston Salem. Right. Yeah,
1: yeah, that was I our first that. ever
0: event. And it's it's funny the very you know at the, at the very beginning of those shows when people all first come in it's just it's a madhouse. It's like you know, it's like Black Friday in Walmart.
3: Mm-hmm. Um, people mm-hmm.
0: everywhere. And after the first like surge of, of the crowd came through and it kind of died down, I looked at my wife and I was like, this is what I want to do for a living. We have to figure out how to do this. Pretty good. Full time. Like, I knew then that that was it. That's what I had to do. Um, so yeah, she, she had the baby and I was able to be home for that. And we decided then that we were going to do this as a family business. And, uh, I would never leave home to go to work anymore. I was going to be working from home. And so we did it for about six to eight months, I think, in Austin before we had the opportunity to move out to where we live now in, uh, Menard, Texas. And it's on my wife's family ranch that's been in the family for almost a hundred years.
3: Wow, that's cool. Um,
0: it's really cool. Um, our boys are the fifth straight generation to grow up in this house that we're living in.
1: So oh man, there's
0: a ton of history here. It's just such a neat place for our kids to grow up. Um, it's ideal for the kind of business we're trying to do. Um, it's just a lot of things fell into place at the right time, basically for this to all happen. But it, it all started from an Instagram post. Um, <laughs> and it just and has just grown from there. Um, and strictly by word of mouth. I pretty much only advertise or do anything on Instagram and a little bit on Facebook. Um, but other than that, it's just the the great people in the woodworking community spreading the word and uh, keeping us busy.
1: Yeah. Well, that's great. Well, and I think the quality of your products speak for themselves. I mean, I have several things okay. that you've made and it's just fantastic.
3: Well, I appreciate
1: that, Kyle. Quali- Yeah. Quality wise. And just, you know, it's, it's stuff that lasts forever and it's stuff, you know, when you're talking about aprons and, um, I have your nail apron and, you know, cause <laughs> hell it's, you know, 95 degrees and 95% humidity here. So yes. I can't yes. wear an apron, but I can wear the uh, nail apron and I wear that all the time. And it's just like, you know, the more beat up it gets, the better it looks. <laughs>
0: exactly. It's like, you know, um, yeah. Shannon Rogers actually mentioned at one time uh, that the, the wax canvas has like a memory to it. Mm-hmm. It's like it knows where it's supposed to go and where you yep. want it to go and what you want it to do. And it, and it does that as it gets older and older. Yeah, I love it.
1: Yeah, it's fantastic. But um, so, you know, you got the, the plane hangers are relatively new. But um, what other new offerings do you have out there?
3: You know, as Especially far as for
1: the are- holiday season, even though by the time this post, you won't be able to get it for holiday, but... You know, you're talking, you know, Father's Day coming up, and you know, all of that.
0: Valentine's so, Day. Everybody's got anniversaries. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, because I think I think this episode will post early December, and it's probably going to be a little too late for them to get an order in and get something by Christmas. But you never know.
0: You know, in terms of like a tool roll or apron, you're right. But some of our leather items, like the plane hangers and block plane holsters, I'm hoping to have those to have some in inventory throughout December. So if anybody's wanting a last-minute Christmas gift, um, we'll have some things we can ship. Okay. Fantastic. We're certainly trying. We are Sarah is inside right now hand stitching um dozens of plane hangers. So we're we're working around the clock for you guys. <laughs> oh.
1: She's on the third shift, huh? Oh
0: yeah. Oh yeah.
1: <laughs> well great. Well so what what else do you have? I noticed you're working with um um I'm sorry I don't know his first name, Pressler in the um
0: uh, Trent. Trent Pressler.
1: Trent Pretzler, yes, yes. Yeah, uh, you so know, it's I, like you get on Instagram, you know people's, like, their name example. and their little logo.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, I started with the plane hangers and the block plane holsters, which were two of our most recent offerings yeah. for woodworking stuff. That's all leather. And mm-hmm. the more I work with leather, the more I want to work with leather. And mm-hmm. so I, I keep coming up with new, more ideas and more products and things I want to make. And not all of them necessarily pertain to woodworking or craft in general. Right. Uh, uh i i so i started making like wallets and like you know portfolios like a book that can hold like a daily planner and and field notebooks and things like that um i've developed a, a like a satchel you can carry um mm-hmm. i've been working on a lot of like personal leather goods pretty much uh that's been something i've been wanting to branch out on for a while and i've just kind of it's just kind of happened lately and and yeah i just partnered up with Trent uh to make a a wallet for him um to release with his branding and stuff on it um, it, it seems like as our our business model progresses and grows and changes, that we're getting a lot of lot more like dedicated leather equipment and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I want to try to utilize that and start working on where we can do like branding for small businesses, so we can do like coffee mugs or coasters or wallets or portfolios or books or whatever out of leather, but still put their logos and stuff on it. Um, I'd like to be able to offer those kind of services up to other small businesses who want to maybe mm-hmm. add extra personal touch for their customers or for their clients. And so we're kind of starting to branch out into that. And Trent's uh, little wallet collaboration was one of the first uh, things that we're doing in that regard.
1: Cool. So um, I hate to ask you this, on but I can edit this out if we need to. But um, do you do uh, custom work? Are you up for that or not?
0: I am. I am always up for custom work because okay. there are so many good ideas out there that I haven't heard and I'd love to hear, you know, awesome ideas from new products, new ways of doing things. So I'm always open to listen to Mm -hmm. a pitch for custom work, but if I'm going to actually take on any kind of custom job, it's got to be something that, at least something I'm very interested in, something that kind of fits our aesthetic. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's got to be something that if I, you know, potentially was to come up with a product idea, like it would fit in that, that ballpark. Um, I don't want to branch out and start doing like weird exotic stuff. It needs to be in my wheelhouse. If I'm going to take on custom stuff, right. but I most certainly will do it. Um, I've, I've done a couple of like a uh, law enforcement officers that sent their badges in mm-hmm. have other leather holders made for them. Um, I've done a few of those. That's a lot of fun. Um, so I, I've, I've had guys send me like, you know, certain like block planes where they want a custom holster made. But it's a oddball block plane and, and doesn't fit my standard offering. So I'll make something custom for them. Um, so I certainly will do it. But uh, if you approach me and ask about it, just please don't be offended if I say no, and if I pass on. <laughs>
3: exactly.
1: Yeah. So being in Texas, have you done any firearm holsters?
0: I have. I have done a couple of gun holsters. I've even mm-hmm. done like a uh, like a shoulder holster where you can wear it on your shoulder. Um, that oh, kind of cool. Thing. Yeah, that's that's certainly something that that uh, down here in this area there is a lot of interest in um, gun holsters yep. and like, knife holsters and cheese and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: Yeah also and I think I already mentioned this to you a couple of years ago but yeah I have a good friend that's into photography and he mm-hmm. has this fantastic looking leather uh, photography bag that you know holds all of his lenses and all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff it's pretty cool
2: I have but, a, the the woman that took our uh, our oldest son's senior photos she she came out of her car with this a fairly simple bag because she only had two lenses but it was fitted with this like quick change clip thing that would like tether it to her camera i was like well that's really cool like the way she was like opening it and getting into it, it was, i don't know if it was commercially made or or, or what but it was like huh there's lots of options for this, stuff like that that's pretty yeah. cool yeah,
1: yeah and i'm i'm sure when you get in yeah Leatherworks just has as many uh, tangents and and uh, rabbit holes as woodworking does i'm mm-hmm.
3: sure
0: oh absolutely yeah. absolutely i in fact more. Um, like when I'm teaching a class, I tell all the, the guys in the class, like, leatherworking is essentially you're working with a soft wood. Um, so many of the, the tools and techniques and methods transfer over. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's just a softer material. But other than that, it reacts to the same way that wood does with so many things. So it, it's a, uh, yeah, there's so many tangents. You can get, you can get into a rabbit hole pretty quick on that stuff.
1: Yeah. Cause there's actually a grain, uh, to the leather and which way you can cut it, correct?
0: Well, not so much a grain like with with wood, but depending on where the leather was situated in the hide can completely change the properties of the leather. Okay. Like if okay. The leather's down near the belly or the shoulders, if you think about on a cow as it's moving, mm-hmm. those parts stretch and have a lot of wrinkles and they're really elastic because so much movement happens. So the leather, same thing, it's really flexible. It has a lot of movement. Whereas the hide like up along the back and the butt, that's more of a protective hide. It's got to protect against the sunlight. Um, you know, bugs, birds, right. other animals jumping on top. So that high is generally really thick. It doesn't have a lot of flex. And so because of that, if you get leather along the back of the butt, it's really thick and solid, which is why a lot of times um, straps are made from horse butt because mm-hmm. that's the mm-hmm. thicker, firmer parts of leather that you
2: can get. Like so it it's is because the it's just direction in, in the day-to-day it needs to be a little more protective. That's why it's thicker. Exactly. That's exactly. kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. So like
0: okay. cutting straps something that doesn't need to have a lot of stretch i'll cut those from closer to the back Mm -hmm. but if a big piece of leather where stretch really isn't an issue then it's okay to get some of the leather from the bottom of the hide near the belly because it's not as big of a problem just knowing the properties of that particular section can really help you in deciding what part needs to go where when you're making something out of leather
1: well that's that's cool and i'm sure you can get a lot of that out of some of the classes you're teaching so tell us a little bit about that um I know yeah. with COVID it's it's it's
0: COVID's it's kind of thrown a wrench into things on that. Thrown but a yeah, wrench. Um I love to teach, I love to talk about what I do mm-hmm. and I like to see other people get a kick out of it and get some enjoyment out of the same stuff I do. So I've I've started going around teaching leather classes. Um the first one, the first main one I taught was in Seattle about a year and a half ago at the Pratt Fine Arts Center, and I was actually supposed to go back there this last May. Um, mm-hmm. But due to COVID, that, that yeah. was all shut down. Um, but, yeah, I just actually got back from a big class in uh, Tennessee at Greg Pennington's uh, Windsor Chair workshop. Mm-hmm. It, his scenario was unique. We were fortunate that um, the COVID restrictions in Tennessee um, still allowed us to operate as long as people were masked up or had you know proper social distancing.
3: Right. Greg's
0: shop is a big shop surrounded by windows. So we opened up all the windows. Everybody had a lot of space to work. He's got a huge covered porch. And so everybody, some people were able to set up and work on the porch the whole time. So we all had a lot of space um, to move around and work. We had a lot of circulation. So it was a pretty good environment um, as far as, you know, this whole scenario is concerned. But um, I taught my homestead satchel class uh, at Greg's, And it was a three-day class. We had eight students. And by the end of the third day, all eight students had finished their project. Um, they all had really sore fingers from three days straight of stitching <laughs> leather, mm-hmm. but it was awesome. I got so many emails from students after the fact um, asking me advice on what tools to buy next, what projects they ought to tackle next with leather working. So to see that they're wanting to continue on and not just be content with the one project was a really, really good thing for me. Oh, well, uh, that's
1: cool. And that yeah. was only three day class? That was a three-day class. That is cool. Holy crap, because I've seen the satchels. I didn't realize it was a three-day class. I would thought it was like a week class.
0: Well, so. now, Are you thinking of the, the big tool tote?
1: That no, I'm no.
0: Some of the shows with all the No, tools
1: no, I was guys? thinking about the, the satchels that they were doing. Okay. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah.
0: Yeah. the tool tote's like a five- or six-day class, but yeah, the satchels, uh, three days. It's three hard days.
1: Yeah, I understood. It's,
0: that's for sure, but um, it's absolutely... Yeah, you know, We had some people showing up on that last day of class. Class was supposed to start at about 8.30 or 9 o'clock. And we had some students showing up at 6.45 in the morning and not leaving till about 8 o'clock that night on the last day. Okay. But they wow. got it
1: done. They got it done. They yeah. got it. Well, yeah. you know, you need to teach some of those classes closer to home, and I need to take one of those because that looks it, – it's kind of fascinating. I like the, the leather craft. I always have.
3: So
2: mm-hmm.
1: I was one of those kids that – went to Tandy Leather back in the day. So
2: mm, I remember that
1: name. Yes. Tandy's oh, yeah. the gateway, man. That's right. That's right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that is so cool. Um, so what other, so what, what classes you said you do the satchel class and you do a tool tote class. Um, I've done the
0: tool tote class before, but it's a really involved class. And okay. It's like five to six days of at least probably 12 hours a day. Um, it's intense. I don't know that I would teach that one again just because it's so involved. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, that might be better for like a series of videos or something down the line. But, mm-hmm. yeah, the Homestead Satchels are our main like, big class right now that we do that I've got an actual curriculum for and, and and all the patterns and stuff. And I'm hoping to expand and do more. But at this point with, with things kind of in limbo, right. um, it's, it's hard for me to devote a lot of attention to that, not knowing for sure when we can get back into it.
1: Oh, yeah, that makes but,
0: sense. But yeah, the whole goal really is for me to be able to teach classes here in in our area in Menard um, and have classes in Texas. And mm-hmm. my whole hope had been to travel the country and teach at a variety of schools and institutions and kind of get a feel for how everybody handles classes, and how everybody teaches. And that way I could use all of their ideas and have good success with our school. Um, I know nothing about running a craft school at all. So I might as well go and learn from those who have already figured it out.
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly. For sure. Well, well. speaking of Menard, so you bought a building in downtown, Menard, correct?
0: <laughs> yeah. I don't want people to be misled when they hear the word downtown. It's, it's,
1: <laughs> well, it has a stop sign, doesn't it? Or does it, it have a traffic It has a stop light,
0: actually. And they wow. stop light, pretty much You're the big time. district. Um, yeah, we we acquired a building. Um, it's been about two and a half years now, three years yeah. that we got this building. Um hmm. Yeah, it's a it's an old
1: building, which is which is fun to say.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The bench off building. It's a it's an old two story stone general store. Um, Like you think of when you think of most like small town America, you know, the real narrow buildings that are real long, that line Main Street. That's basically what we bought Um, it. uh, It's in bad shape. The guy who owned it uh, ran like a general store, department store kind of thing out of it. And in the 80s, early 80s, shut the doors and just walked away and never entertained any offers to buy it. Um, Never did anything with the stuff that was inside, just basically just walked away and let it rot. And so we bought it after he passed away and uh, the roof had partially caved in in some spots. Um, All of the inventory was still inside and was in various states of decomposition. And so basically, over the last, uh, you know, three years, um, mostly my wife and I, with the help of some really kind hearted, hard working friends over the years, have cleaned it out and it is almost completely empty now. We have removed 32 tons of trash from the building. Oh,
3: yeah. 32? tons. Well,
0: I, I, I rounded up. It's 31.95 tons. I the, that's all right. Yeah, that's
1: all right. That's all right.
0: And that's like, by wheelbarrow and by a trash can at a time. Um,
1: oh man!
0: Those are too narrow to get any kind of like a skid steer or bobcat in there, so we're real limited, and it's just a lot of work. We sifted through all of the trash and found so many cool items.
1: Yes, you have. Yeah.
0: A lot of stuff um, dealing with Menard's history. I mean, like old handwritten invoices from the late 1800s, um, Freemasons commemorative coins. Uh, There used to be a meeting place for the Odd Fellows and we found like all of their meetings minutes and their constitution and bylaws from the early 1900s. And just the most amazing things that if we had just, you know, got all the trash out as quickly as possible and just dumped it, we would have lost all this stuff. But we took the time to sift through it all and found a lot of neat things that I'm excited about. But it's now empty. And Sarah and I are currently working with a bank in San Angelo to get financing, to get the construction underway, to get the roof fixed and get the floors fixed. Mm-hmm. And that is hopefully going to be starting here in the next couple of months. Um, so we are pretty positive that this is going to be our last like Christmas season in this current workshop. And that hopefully here over the spring and stuff, we will start moving our workshop into the building where we can expand. We can have big dedicated workstations. You um, mm-hmm. can just really get this thing cranking the way that I feel like we should be going. Um, we're at a really exciting time with the, the building and, uh, I cannot wait to get a roof on it. It's been a yeah. long time and a lot of work to get to this point.
1: Now, do you currently have any employees, or is it just uh, you and Sarah and the kids?
0: It, it's, it, yeah, it's, it's just Sarah and I and the boys. Um, that okay. Is, I make pretty much everything out here in my shop. Um, she helps out with all the hand stitching of the, the leather items, so the wallets, plane hangers, block plane holsters. Um, she and I pretty much stitch those together. Uh-huh. And uh, she handles all of the custom embroidery on tool rolls and aprons. Right. And she handles all of the correspondence, all the email. Yeah. And she does our bookkeeping as well. So, so
1: who, so who di- who's better at hand stitching?
0: You know, it's funny. If you get items that we have both hand stitched and threw them into a box and started sorting through it and looking, you wouldn't be able to figure out who stitched what. Mm. At this point, our stuff is identical.
1: Wow. That's cool.
0: And it has to be. Um, yeah. I, you know, yeah, I, it I, does. I, I couldn't fathom, you know, we have people buy several plane hangers at a time, five, six, seven of them, and they have them all lined up on their tool wall. Mm -hmm. It would bug the hell out of me to look up on somebody's Instagram post and see two plane hangers side by side that had different kind of stitching on them.
3: Right.
1: I
0: I couldn't have that happen. So we have to, we have to stitch the same or it just wouldn't work out.
1: Okay. Let me ask it this way Who's the fastest then?
0: (laughs) Dude, that's a good question. We have never actually raced. Um, Okay. That, That's definitely an
1: Instagram story right there.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I don't. Do you think that would do good for social media? Would that would that make the algorithm happy to have a? (laughs) I think
1: that would. I think that would. Yeah. (laughs) We might have to try that out. Oh well, that's that's cool. So um, so tell us a little bit about the current shop that you're working at. It sounds like you're working out of more than one uh, space.
0: Well, I'm I'm working mainly out of one space. Okay. the, the property we live on, like I said, it's, it's been Sarah's family for generations. And mm-hmm. um, inside, there's several outbuildings and barns here. Um, I call one of my shops my machine shop. It has like my joiner and bandsaw and radial arm saw and drill press. It also has my forge and anvil and my like, TIG welder and metal fab spot and all of my mechanics tools. Um, it's a little further back on the property. But the main shop that I work in is about 400 square feet. It's a cinder block building with a tin roof. It's under a big grove of oak trees, and it's in the corner of our yard um, right by our house. Mm-hmm. So every morning, I open the front door to our house, and I walk 30 feet to the front door of my shop. And it's funny, this shop actually, when it was first built, was supposed to be the house to my wife's grandmother and grandfather. Hmm. Um, they got married and were, he was still living here with his parents, my wife's great grandparents. Right. And, uh, so he, he got married and they started building this little bitty cinder block house to have, to, to live here on the property with his family. And in the middle of building it, his, uh, mother passed away, Sarah's great grandmother. hmm. And so, um, her husband said, well, hey, I'm not gonna live in this big house all by myself. Why don't you and your new wife just come move into the master bedroom? I'll move in the guest bedroom. We'll just all live here together and we'll turn that house yard building into a workshop. And so that's what they did. Um, one small corner of my shop behind my sewing machines is painted white because that's where the original shower was going to go.
1: Oh, okay, cool.
0: Um, and that's as far as I got after that. That's when they moved into the big house and yeah. uh, it became a workshop. And so it's been like a woodworking shop, metalworking shop, just an all around, uh, general purpose ranch shop for, I mean, you know, from the early 50s till now,
3: until we moved here. Mm-hmm. Well, cool. Well,
1: tell us a little bit about some of the leatherworking tools, because you post a lot about that. In fact, um, today, uh, listeners are recording this the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, you you had this interesting jig you used for your plane hangers. It kind of had like a, uh, I guess, kind of a wooden form that, hel- that, uh, uh, I guess, held the leather kind of down
3: Mm-hmm. And then you
1: had the the I guess the I guess you call them chisels that make the uh, the marks for where you put the stitching into coming down. Now, was that chisel actually curved a little bit to match that or not?
0: It was. So those okay. are my diamond chisels. Um, diamond, yeah, diamond chisels. Diamond chisels are used chisels, for poking holes. Post, for, yeah. For, yeah. Diamond chisels are used for poking the holes for stitching, and they have a diamond-shaped hole in them. Okay. Made.
2: And, how many, and uh, how many, like, tines are on those things?
0: Uh, You the, can give it a variety of numbers, but the one that I was using in that video is a six-prong diamond chisel. And those okay. are the biggest I have are six.
2: Yeah. Okay. And and then is it different radii that they're made in? Like, I mean, that's no, a pretty big so sweep.
0: There are none that are curved. They make them all straight.
2: Okay. Uh,
3: okay, I, yeah.
0: So, yeah, the, the stitch on the plane hangers has a gentle sweep to it. Right. Um, I just thought it looked nice, and so that's what I went with, even though it was harder to do. But um yeah. so whenever I poked those holes before, I used a two-prong chisel to poke all those holes, because two <laughs> could work around the radius and still have a curved stitch. Yeah. Uh, but it was time-consuming. You poke two holes, you got to pull it out by hand. Poke two more, and in every plane hanger there's 14 holes. So that's seven individual pokes per plane hanger.
2: And for proper it's spacing, off. are you leaving one in an existing hole to make the next?
0: Exactly. Um, yeah, so, what yeah. I so you're do really doing one at
2: a time with a two poke. Kind well, of thing.
0: what I technically do is lay them out ahead of time. I'll just gently press the chisel into the leather to leave the impressions.
2: Oh. And then I'll
0: come back and hammer it. Um, oh. Because you're right, if I did it one hole at a time, I would have to drop one tine in the previous hole and do it that way. Um, so either yeah. way, it's time consuming to go that but, route. Yeah. And so I thought, well, I, you know, for one thing, if I could figure out a way to not use my hands, because poking through that stiff hard leather, and then holding it down while you grab this chisel and then pull it back out, that's a lot of strain on your hands. Your fingers start to ache, your hands start to get sore. It's just a lot of stress on your hands, and it's repetitive. And so I know that there's issues with repetition doing stuff like that. So I tried to figure out a way to make it easier on me, and that would be a lot faster and give me more consistent results. And so I figured out that the diamond chisels are a tool steel, but... If you're gentle with it, you can just gently bend them. And so I basically put them around a piece of pipe and clamp them up in my vise until I got them to, to bend just enough to match the radius of this pipe. And it ended up being the perfect radius to match my plane hangers. Mm-hmm. And then I've got an arbor press that in the bottom of the arbor, there is a hole with a thumb screw so you can put different attachments into it, um, which I've never seen on an arbor press before until I got this particular one. But it holds the shafts of those diamond chisels perfectly. So I now had a way to press the chisel in and out of the leather. And so I built a wooden form that the plane hanger components sit on. And it has a little lip that overhangs just a touch. So whenever I press the diamond chisel into the plane hanger and it pokes the holes and then I start raising it up, that lip catches the plane hanger and helps pull it off the teeth of the diamond chisel. And so I can just go quickly and I'll poke six holes at a time and just, I've got a couple of little alignment marks, um, marked on my, on my jig and I can poke. I can probably do six to ten of these now in the time it took me to do one
3: mm-hmm. by oh. hand.
0: So it's wow. so much faster, so much easier yeah. in my hands.
3: Now
1: it looked like below the plane hanger, you had another real thick piece of leather, kind of like you would do in a drill press, so you don't get blowout on the other end.
0: So I don't get blowout, and it protects the teeth of my tines.
1: Um,
3: yeah,
0: the the diamond chisels don't come really really sharp. Um, I okay. get a little Diamond, uh, one of those little easy diamond hones. Mm-hmm. Um, and sharpen them up. Uh, they they work so much better. But you start running them into wood, and they they dull pretty. Oh good. yeah. Yeah, it's just a sacrificial piece of piece of leather just to yeah. save save those.
1: Now you just need to get something that uh, you can attach to that arbor press so you can make it foot operated.
0: Oh no, man! I like. <laughs> Somebody else mentioned I should make it treedle operated earlier too. Um, then I'm always having to stand on one foot and I'm stomping a bunch. That just oh cute.
1: okay okay yeah that well that <laughs> makes know.
0: sense. I at like a hoedown or I'm a square <laughs> dance.
1: Well, well, when I watched the video, you know, it's like, is that you know, because I I didn't know what kind of setup. I go, that's probably foot operated. But then I saw on the very side of it, you uh, your arm going back and forth, and it's mm-hmm. going,
3: hmm, okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so it just stuck in my mind. Hey, wouldn't that be cool if it's foot operated? <laughs> but uh well that that's fantastic. So um um now you also have bought a bunch of different dies uh for you to cut the leather, correct over the last I guess the last year or two.
0: Uh yeah, about almost 2 years actually. Yeah, I got um okay. actually again it was the plane hangers that kind of brought all this into motion. Um cutting those out, I used to cut those out by hand mm-hmm. every one. And that was a pain to do. Um if when you're trying to make multiple of any item and you're cutting it out by hand Um, Just trying to get them all consistent. It it can be difficult. Um, The plane hangers are small and have a lot of curves to them. And so I'm always trying to curve this blade, which means you're always basically turning the blade towards your hand. So you're having to always rotate the piece or always get your hand out of the way. So it's dangerous, time-consuming. It's not consistent. So I finally invested in a clicker press, which is basically just like a big arbor press with a big flat plate on top so it can press bigger items, I I guess. Okay. Um, And you get... They call them clicker dies. They're essentially cookie cutters for leather. And you put them in your clicker press and you can cut out components um all day long and they're all consistent. They're all the same. And so I've had dies made for quite a few of my products now um, that we make multiples of. So the plane hangers, the block plane holsters, um, even our hold fast pads that we make, we had a die made for those. So anything oh, cool. that I make a bunch of that I need to be able to knock them out real quick, I've got clicker dies made so I can bring the dies out, get my leather out and knock out a whole bunch of pieces that will be the exact same size and shape as the ones I cut out two years ago. Mm-hmm. So that kind of consistency and cool. the kind of, that kind of efficiency is huge for a small business like what we have.
1: Right. Now got are a, you.
0: A clicker dies now. Um, They're super handy and I find like I'm always buying more and more
3: and it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a big help.
1: Now are you at the point uh, as far as the demand uh, where you're actually considering hiring employees, and maybe once you move into the bench off building?
0: Yes. Um, the whole plan when we move there is to scale up a lot of our production, um, mm-hmm. so we can have more offerings. Um, there's a lot of products I want to make that we haven't even started to work on yet because I just don't have the time. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, I want to try to get our products out there, um, you know, in, in other stores, start doing a lot of, some wholesale stuff and get some stuff right. out there. Um, just to, to, find new customers that way, that kind of thing. Um, but all that, yeah, we have to have more employees or have to have some employees. Mm-hmm. We just don't have space here where I am. So the whole goal when we get to the bench off building and start working there is to hire a couple of employees to start working with us, um, some guys that can work on, on saddle stitching or, or helping with shipping or with any of the processes that we do daily. Um, we, we need the help, and uh, that is definitely our plan in the next year to start hiring some people.
3: Cool.
1: Cool. Well, that's going to be great. And, you know, I've been looking for housing out in the um, Hill Country area, and occasionally it comes across uh, Menard. And it looks like y'all actually have a little bit of a boom out there, at least housing-wise.
0: Well, it's such a beautiful place out here. I think people are starting to realize that. You know, yep. Menard has never really been, like, on the way to anywhere. Um, right. The railroad used to come through here back in mm-hmm. the day. and uh, But it left, like, in the 70s. And then Interstate 10 got built through junction which is about 30 miles away right so between the interstate and the railroad it pulled a lot of traffic from menard yeah um but now people are looking for these you know day trips on the weekend they can take in texas to go see neat places and neat things and you know towns like mason and and brady have really started to grow because people are finding out that these little small towns are just beautiful places to go visit Mm -hmm. and menard is starting to pick up some of these people as they venture out because you know we're we're two hours from Austin, about two and a half to three, or two hours from San Antonio, um, two and a half to three from Austin. So we're a good day trip. We've got a lot of beautiful scenery out here, a lot of deep, deep history um, as far as Texas goes out yes. here. Um, so, yeah, I think people are starting to figure that out. And they're, we're getting quite a few people now out here that have Airbnb that you can come stay. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's neat. Menard's starting to grow, and they're starting to get some people on the weekends come out and spend some money. And um, it's yeah. been great for our little towns.
1: Yeah, yeah, because uh, sure, listeners know I've been looking to move from my uh, coastal location. I don't know why, but oh,
0: I
3: have. I can't, imagine.
1: I can't imagine why. I'm getting too old for hurricanes, but uh, <laughs> yeah, and I have the uh, Zillow searches all over this, all over the place, and I keep uh, seeing every once in a while new construction in Manard. I was like, holy crap! Yeah. I know someone that
0: lives yeah. there.
3: Yeah, yeah. And someone... there's
0: there's rumors of the new new interstate highway coming through from the coast that's supposed to come and cut all the way through and come right next to Menard.
3: Really? Wow. Um, oh.
0: It's been zoned for, yeah. So and it's not Highway No. No, but they just built a huge new convenience store here um, a year ago, like like half of a Buc-ee's size convenience store, uh-huh. which for out here in the middle of the square is huge. Wow. So I, I think that you know in the next couple of years, Menard's will keep growing. Hopefully, if we can... Yeah, uh, Get the building going with the way that we hope. We can get people coming in for the weekends for classes and that kind of thing too, and yeah. really start to kind of show off our little portion of the world over here.
2: Oh, that's cool. That's cool. So, well, um I mean, with a population of just shy of what fourteen hundred, you know, <laughs> in Menard? I I mean, that's for the
0: entire county too, I think.
2: Yeah. Oh, it might be. Yeah. I mean, it's. I'm just going by Google at this point, but that's. Uh, you're just in the yeah. It's just kinda of tucked away there. There's a bunch of you know well, major roads that come kind of from side to side, but you're like in the middle of nothing. You yeah, know, exactly. What? Are you Northwest closer to- of San to... Antonio, that's the closest, right? bit of a little bit of a little bit of a little bit
0: in San Antonio in little bit of a little bit of a little bit of a little a half close. to three hours. Like,
2: like, where I am, I can get to, to Detroit in 45 minutes or Cleveland in an hour and a half or Columbus, Ohio, in two and a quarter hours. <laughs> like, like, well, like, Texas is just different. We don't so, I know, You guys, the, the, About... the space between, man. That's crazy.
1: How far away are you from Abilene?
0: Uh, a little over an hour.
1: Okay. I just wonder if that was the closest big city, quote unquote.
0: Uh, Kerrville. Kerrville Kerville is. is, okay. And uh, Kerrville or San Angelo, we're a little closer to Kerrville um, just because of where we sit in the county. Well, we're mm. about an hour from Kerrville, and that's where oh, um, Sarah goes grocery shopping once every two weeks um, just because that's the closest H-E-B.
1: You okay. got to go H-E-B,
2: that's right. That's that, that's the difference. You know, My wife yeah. used to say, like, my parents live about 45 minutes away from here, and then in, the, in the, between us, there's a couple small towns. And her comment for the longest time was, where do these people buy groceries? <laughs> like you know when you're that part <laughs> because the convenience of something being within 10 miles maximum yeah. you know but yeah every two weeks man it's a heck of a planning uh effort
0: yeah and uh, and like there's no restaurants here so i mean every meal we, we cook everything here at home right um, we don't go out every, so it's i mean i i love it. it it suits my wife and i just fine and we absolutely adore and love our three kids and can tolerate being around them all day, every day. So we're in our own like little happy bubble over here. Um, it's it's yeah, pretty so, pretty neat. It's yeah
1: yeah. So COVID was like whatever. <laughs> yeah right
3: right.
0: <laughs> Dude, it was it, it was different for us, and I, I felt really bad because yeah. I kept thinking like you know oh people you should just stay home or you need to wear your mask and do this or that. And you know it seems so obvious, but I, I really had no place to say that at all because. With, with our situation, we were so isolated from that. Right. It really barely even affected us. We already homeschooled our kids. Right. So we, we were home all day with them, anyways. My wife and I both work from home. Um, we go to town once, you know, once a week, every two weeks, that kind of thing. So for us, it didn't change a lot for us. The, the main thing that changed was the loss of woodworking events that we would go to. Yeah. Right. Um, oh, yeah. But outside of that, we were so lucky that our lifestyle remained pretty much unchanged. Um, throughout this whole ordeal so it's it, it's it's been tough because i know so many people out there are having it so much more difficult for us and it's it, it's so hard to look from the outside and trying to look in and, and and sympathize with people and try to understand what they're going through when it's not the same for us but uh it's it's certainly been a life-changing thing our kids are all just hyper aware of what's going on because for them it's it's all over news or all over the tv mm-hmm. it's, it's everywhere so it's been interesting as a parent to try to, to teach them and explain what's going on um, because it's so new for all of us as well as adults but
1: yeah yeah and it's it's got to be something uh that's going to be like a, a, a milestone in their lives kind of like i guess well this is going to be a milestone in our lives too but like 9-11 was kind of a milestone Just so like hey yes yeah.
0: yeah yeah absolutely yeah this you know, is that one event that probably no matter how old they are how distant they get that this is going to be something they'll remember somebody yeah. will say 2020 instantly they know mm. yeah
1: oh. yeah yeah it'll be some something that uh you know people after them will ask them so what oh, was it like during covid
2: time
0: yeah we don't talk about that
2: yeah, yeah exactly weird to think hey and a thought that came up not to get on the current uh you know e- eco health political tangent but um Somebody, you know, back in 1918 was the last time that America went through a great pandemic. But we don't, we didn't hear about that all that much, but we knew about the roaring 20s. So even back then, with the lack of technology and whatever, they got through it pretty darn quick. And so we can only yeah. hope for the same or better. Mm-hmm. No matter what, how it goes, Absolutely. no matter who's compliant or not, I, I think we're going to get through this sooner or better than they did even back then.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And I think all of the promising news on the vaccines um, is going to be a, a huge help for all that. too. Mm-hmm. I'm really looking forward to that hold out and, and people being able to return back to normal and, and get on with their lives.
3: For sure. Yeah, exactly.
1: But as one uh, podcaster I listened to said, I'm holding out for the
2: gummy vaccine. <laughs> there you
3: go.
2: I just, I just want the chewable. But no, I, yep. I heard, what was it recently, the and by the time this is heard, this may change, you know, Uh but it was they were surmising that maybe by May that like 70 percent of America could have the opportunity to be vaccinized. Mm-hmm. That's that's huge. That's enormous. Like that, that that's defi- herd. Immunity. I think uh, it's better than flu, you know, yeah. even like, you know, that's that's awesome.
1: Yeah, I think that's herd immunity at that point. Yeah, you get I, I it. 70 percent vaccinated. Yes.
2: Yes. yes. Well and that's the thing though, that you can Those still carry are, that's if you're vaccinated. Insane, dude. You know, yeah. you, you may not contract, but you can still carry. So that's you know, you gotta watch out for that as well.
1: Yeah, I mean it's 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 heartbreaking. I may edit some of this out, but I mean um I mean my mom lives what, fifteen miles from me and we're not having Thanksgiving together. It's it's mm-hmm. heartbreaking.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. My mom stopped by to see the kids and hand them a card the other day, but we're not going there. You yeah. know. That was it. And, and she stepped in the door, but that's as far as she got. And we all stood at her distance. Like, that was, that's a really uncomfortable thing to do. Yeah. So, the better, the, the quicker we get out of it, the better. But, but, uh, you know,
1: but my mom's really adapted to the uh, Facebook video church, so she
2: may never go back. <laughs> I'm not sure. You know, there's some, something about, you know, those, those kind of things, as long as the, the community feel the, the handshakes and hugs, you know, before or after. Yeah. Uh, you know, but the fact that you can sit in your pajamas at home and and participate—that's not all that bad. That's right. I say that as a guy who works in my basement with pajama pants on pretty much daily. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, you know, it's like we're our, in our Texas, kids I, always get give... yeah, yeah. We're in it's Texas. Our kids get my bummed my... out when company comes over
0: because they have to uh put pants on. Yeah, they get like, all oh, frustrated.
3: Man, gotta oh,
0: get put that? pants on. So they've kind of enjoyed the pants. It's like pants off, dance off all the time,
1: man. (laughs) Oh, I imagine. Yeah, I wear my Hanes shorts, which are somewhere between underwear and actual
3: shorts. (laughs) Hey,
1: not bad. Fifteen bucks on Amazon. Um, There you go. But anyway, so uh, depending on how much of that I I edit out. um, (laughs) So... So I noticed uh, you've done a lot of truck repair on uh, Instagram in the last oh six months or so, and um, I, I know you have. You come from the automotive background, but that is you know keep those posts up. I absolutely adore those posts as far as uh, what you're doing and what goes into it, and uh, some of the um, I guess big hammers you take to things and cutting torches and whatnot. <laughs>
0: Yeah, well, I I appreciate you saying that. Um, I've actually some of the, my posts on those truck repairs and the jobs I've been doing have been some of the more engaging social media posts that I've put up. Um, people have a ton of questions, mm-hmm. um, have a ton of feedback, all kinds of interesting things to say. So, uh, I I didn't think they would be as popular as they were, but apparently a lot of people really enjoyed seeing um a uh, Ford Power Stroke engine torn down and rebuilt and all that good stuff. So oh yeah, I'm glad to It'll... share. I wish it wasn't so expensive to share it with y'all, but I'm glad to share it anyway.
1: <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> hey, but at least you didn't have to pay any labor costs on that. Holy crap.
0: Oh, that's the thing. You know, and that was one of the things. Um, Sarah was driving that. That's our Ford Excursion. We love it. Mm. With three yeah. kids, when we're driving anywhere, it's third row seat. It's got a diesel motor. It's four-wheel drive. So it's perfect for out here on the ranch. We pull trailers occasionally. like It's the all-around ideal vehicle for our situation. And then she was driving it last it was a year ago, last October, and heard a loud bang from the engine, and all the warning lights came on, and the engine started running rough. And she was just a few miles from home, so we were able to limp it home, and I started checking it out and basically determined that there was a catastrophic failure in one of the cylinder heads. Mm. Um, I didn't know exactly what happened, but I basically knew what had to be replaced, so... The truck had two hundred and sixteen thousand miles on it at the time. Huh, so we, it's just getting for, broken in. It, yeah, for a diesel, yeah, I mean it's it's that's okay. Um yeah. this has the six point diesel in it, which is uh has a lot of known issues. Yeah. Um where Ford cut back in the day. But um we were trying to figure out should we fix it or should we get a new vehicle? And just trying to find anything with a third row seat in it that was under fifty thousand dollars is impossible. Oh, it's insane yeah. what vehicles cost nowadays. So oh. I started looking into what it costs for me to fix this motor. So I, I went with a lot of really great aftermarket parts. I removed every single weak spot that came with this engine from the factory. So we should easily get another two to three hundred thousand miles out of it. Um Rebuilt the front suspension while I was at it because it needed it. And uh, I did all of that in the hopes that I have it ready in time to make the road trip to Tennessee for that class i taught at greg's place mm-hmm. and it worked out great i drove up there and back and got almost 17 miles to the gallon in it which in a wow. 7,000 000 pound
3: pretty good yeah and uh, that's fantastic yeah it was
0: almost a thousand miles each way and i drove straight through um there and back and it performed flawlessly so uh i think it was a good good choice in the end for us to to rebuild it and work on it But, yeah, if I would have had to have taken it to an actual shop and paid labor costs, we might have just been buying a new vehicle at that point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Any shop would have easily charged, you know, 100 hours uh, for what I I did. And that, Mm -hmm. you know, 120, 100 an hour, uh,
1: that would get expensive. Yeah, you're buying a new vehicle at that point. Yeah, Yeah. exactly.
0: But when you're in it for parts cost, that's a different story.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. Wow. Well, that's good. And you're also doing a little... Well, not you're not doing blacksmithing. One of your sons is doing some blacksmithing, mm-hmm. so I assuming yeah you know, probably what five years uh you're gonna add some uh you know hand forged hinges and whatnot to uh the uh, inventory there man if if he
0: has his way, it'll be a lot less than five years. He's oh. all about making some hand forged creations and making some money
3: um oh <laughs> cool, cool,
0: yeah, so my, my our oldest son, Jackson, uh, he, he just turned 11 over the summer, but last Christmas I gave him a, it was a 19th century hand forged, um, cross peen hammer, blacksmith hammer. Mm-hmm. On the head weighs about a pound, pound and a quarter, so it's a lightweight little hammer for him. Uh, put a new handle on it, and I uh, gave it to him for Christmas and told him that we were going to start blacksmithing lessons as part of his homeschool curriculum. So once every one to two weeks I get a full, you know, one or two hour lesson plan. And we'll go out there to the forge and we'll make whatever that, that lesson is for that day. And yeah, he's really been enjoying it. Um, like really, really, really enjoying it and seeing like his hammer control develop and improve over each lesson and mm-hmm. seeing his, his just level of comfort working around the forge. I mean, he's an 11 year old kid going up to this basically big metal tube that's spitting out dragon fire and he's just working around it. Totally comfortable and and at ease and just as confident as he can be and it's just the neatest thing to see his growth and maturity and his development as we've gone through these lessons um forging's a pretty dangerous thing to do and he's taken to it well and done so safely and with enthusiasm mm-hmm. and it's it's been a whole lot of fun man a whole lot of fun
1: oh that is cool <laughs> so i see yeah. one of those uh, power hammers in your future
0: oh man i want one in a big way <laughs> Those are expensive too. I got to figure out how to build one. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> exactly. Videos
3: out there. Yes, <laughs> yes.
1: Wow, that that is so cool. Well, um, before we uh, wrap everything up, so what's next for you? Anything you that we haven't pimped that you want to pimp or or whatnot?
3: You know, not
0: really, man. Um, and we've covered all the products. We've covered. I mean, the building's the big thing, really, for mm-hmm. us right now. That's our main focus. Um, right. And then yeah, just continue the blacksmithing lessons with my son and just hanging out here on the ranch. We got new goats the other day. That's exciting. <laughs> oh, five new I, goats.
1: sorry. I was going to put that in the show notes. and I totally forgot about it. So, uh, your, your existing tree climbing goats are never been seen since or what?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately our tree climbing goats, they got out at, at some point. Um, yeah, we, we know day they got out, but we have been unable to locate them. Mm-hmm. Um, I've driven over thousands of acres of yeah. uh, land and I can't find them. Um, they're probably in with a herd of cattle or sheep or something somewhere. Um, I'm, <laughs> I'm hoping the optimist in me says that's where they are, but then there's no telling. Yeah. Um, but funny thing is that the uh, electric company, there's a utility line that runs behind our property. And the electric company was in one day over the summer doing maintenance on the utility lines. And there are access gates between all these properties that just follow the utility line. So They can drive on the one property and then just drive down the line and not to, and these go through the gates on different ranches as they work on utility lines. Well, apparently they left a couple of gates open, um, in between ranches and our goats got onto another property when that happened. And, uh, we found this out because one of our neighboring ranchers lost a couple of cattle, um, the same day that our goats disappeared. Mm. And so we caught that electric company. Basically they, at the end, they said, you know, we can't guarantee that. Um, we let your goats go and we also can't guarantee that we didn't but we want to make you happy because we've been driving on your land so they made it up to us and they partnered with a local rancher um, who raised goats and uh, they they helped us out and we've got five new goats on the property um, I've rechecked all the fences ten times over so hopefully they'll stay in this time mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah so we got goats again I was sad for a while um, the sad part's just not knowing what happened to the goats—Are yeah. uh, you know, they alive? Are they dead? Are they? Yeah. You know, it's not knowing's tough.
1: Yeah. Well, we we hope they're in, you know, enjoying their goat lives, doing their goat things, and <laughs> hanging out in trees.
0: Yeah. I pretty much figured they just found a better tree somewhere else <laughs> and left me for it.
1: <laughs> well, you're gonna have to teach your new goats how to uh, climb trees. So.
0: Yeah. Oh, and for anybody listening who's confused about the whole tree thing. My two goats we had previously, every night, would climb up into an oak tree and sleep like in one of the big crotches up in in the top of the tree. Every night, without fail, they climb a tree and sleep. And uh, my Instagram followers really enjoyed seeing the West Texas tree goats.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And I probably should have explained that up front, too. But anyway, you know, we figure everybody here knows everybody. And, you know, hey. That's right. So. But with that, let's move on to our fortnightly beer choices. So um, I'm going to recommend uh, something that uh, David DuYard sent to me. I have not uh, had this personally, but occasionally he sends me uh, some beers he's drinking, and that looked far more fabulous than uh, what I was drinking. So it's Bury. Uh, brewery. Uh, the brewery's called called uh, Legitimus. I assume that's how you pronounce that. Looks like An- it. Yeah, I know it's a, uh, a uh, Latin name. But anyway, um, it's a brewery that's located near him in Vermont. And it's called, uh, he he shot me a, a shot of a couple of cans. or both New England IPAs. One of them was named Dr. Strange Haze, And uh, hmm. I saw the picture and it was very uh, hazy IPA. And the other one was called Tell Me Beautiful Lies. It was not quite as hazy. Little hazy, but not quite as hazy. <laughs> and uh, both look delicious. And I thought I would give a shout out. I know that's a uh, brewery that uh, David frequents often because he often sends me pictures from there. So, <laughs> but uh, it, it looked fantastic. And uh, someday me and David are going to have a beer there. So with that oh, said, uh, Sean, what's your uh, recommendation?
2: So I picked up a uh, uh, Ohio brew. Uh, called Citra Noel. It's the holiday season. Uh, ah. and it's, it's just a, uh, it, you know, it's a Citra hopped IPA from the Columbus Brewing Company here, mm-hmm. in the capital of Ohio. Uh, a nice, even kind of little, little, the Citra hops has a little bit of a, the citrus essence to it, but, uh, otherwise just a pretty, a decent IPA. Not too terribly, you know, cloying or, or, uh, dry on your mouth. Pretty good.
1: Not bad. Well, you know, I should have said what I'm actually drinking, and that is a St. Arnold's Christmas Ale, because of course <laughs> everybody knows me in Christmas Ales, and uh, yeah, so and it's a good one too. I have not yet met a Christmas Ale I don't like, so there you go. anyway. So Jason, do uh, you have any recommendations for us?
0: Well, yeah, but I feel kind of bad because y'all are throwing out exotic, awesome-sounding mm. stuff, and yeah, I'm, I'm not. As big of a beer drinker as I used to be. I used to homebrew and I was really, really into it for a while. But um, since I work late nights out in the shop, I, I, I tend to shy away from that.
1: I can as imagine. Much.
0: So I don't, yeah, I don't want to sew myself up with one of my machines. So. <laughs> <laughs> but my my go-to beer, one of my favorite beers of all time, even before I homebrewed, as I homebrewed, and today still, is just a good old-fashioned Guinness Stout that's been nitrogen-charged.
3: Oh, um, yeah.
0: Like, yeah. Hands it's down, not- my, my all-time... Favorite brew that I can always go for
1: at any point. Um, absolutely, yes. I've, I've recommended that a number of times here. Um, mm-hmm.
2: I remember that about Murphy- you, Jason. I know you're a, you're a, a Guinness
1: guy. Yeah. Have you uh, had a Murphy Stout? No, I have not. You need to have a Murphy Stout. Uh, you can't find them okay. everywhere, but do y'all have Specs in your area? You know. No, we do not. Okay. The closest ones in
3: San Antonio
0: or Austin.
1: Yeah. Well, next time you're, you know travel out once you have the vaccine and all that good stuff. Um, uh, see if you can locate Murphy's down, H-E-B, some H-E-Bs carry it, but, uh, okay. it's, it's similar to Guinness. It's, um, nitrogen charged. And the first time I had, it was in Ireland because I went in and ordered a Guinness and and they said, Oh, we don't drink Guinness. We drink Murphy's. Here you go. And I went, <laughs> and then once I had a Murphy's, I went, Oh, I see why. It's okay. It's, Real similar to Guinness, I just think it's a little smoother, which is interesting, but uh, yeah, yeah, it's uh, you're not going to find a lot of difference as far as the texture and how it looks, but as far as the taste, I think it's, you know, in my mind, it's just a little bit smoother, but uh, I still like a good Guinness.
3: Well, Guinness does
0: have a little bit of a, a weighing to mm-hmm. it from, the, um, whether they claim that they take a little bit of the yeast from each previous yeah. batch of Guinness, introduce it into the new one, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so. Guinness has just a little bit of like a tang to it, so yeah, uh, I think I know what you're talking about. I'll have to look yeah. for some Murphys, man. Yeah,
1: good. yeah, it's it's yeah, but either is fine. Okay, well, with that, um, so uh, where can folks find you on the interwebs, Jason? Um,
0: two main places to keep up with what I got going on um, on Instagram. I am uh, at TX Heritage. Um, that's where you can see pretty much daily updates of, of what I got going on, what we're doing in the shop, that kind of thing. And if you want to look at any of our products and see what we have to offer, um, our website is www.txheritage.net. Um, everything we have is there.
2: So those are our two main spots, man. Yeah, I didn't I didn't say earlier, but I, I'm soon to have a draw knife, and I might need to contact you to get a bit of a leather guard for that.
1: Oh, you definitely I have to do that, contact man. it.
2: I know, I know. I've been guilted into buying your things before. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, I, I had this weird draw knife and I looked on his site and I went, yeah, this will fit it. And sure
2: enough, it does. There you go. I, I don't know. And nine inches at a fairly standard size. I, I wanted, oh, yeah. you
3: know,
2: on an eBay thing. And uh, yeah. I, I figure that that's going to bleed into me getting uh, uh, um, to making a mallet for a, a, um, uh, no, I can't remember what I've not a, uh, Oh, what's a fro? So I'm I'm gonna make a mallet to hit a fro that I don't have yet. Uh, but I'll need a a shape horse to do that. So there's a whole bunch of like questionable things in my future. (laughs) Well, what fro are you buying? (laughs) I have a I I against anything else. I have a gift card to Lee Valley or no sorry Lee Nielsen. Yeah, I I, I was about
1: to say don't buy the Lee Valley. Pro by the no, Lee Nielsen I was the If list. you're buying something new, if you can't find something around, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah,
0: I've got the I've got the Lee Nielsen one too, and I love it. It's a good yeah. rope.
2: Yep. and then yeah. sometime in the future, I might make a chair, but <laughs> until then, I'm gonna just build the tooling that might assist that. And Thank I you. I I'll, I might need things from you, Jason. So I'll be looking at you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, give me shout. Uh, mm-hmm. And if it doesn't work out,
0: I'll peer press you anyways. Oh, Just I know, like
2: I know. I still have, I, I've <laughs> got the, the, the brace roll or the bit roll for the, my brace, my brace bits that, uh, that the all the original wax, you know, before you, you know, changed your, your method or whatever. I've got.
0: Yep, that was the last of the hand wax tool
2: rolls, man. The one you yep. got. Yep. I'm holding. Oh, it, that's I'm a collector's item. You
1: need to get that on eBay.
2: No hell Fronten. no. It's holding. It's holding my bits. I'm not getting rid of it. <laughs> the price you could get for that, you could probably buy two more new tools. I know. Not. Not in the business, man. Not, not my. Not my game.
1: <laughs> well, so Sean, did they? Did you say where you can, where folks can find you on the interwebs? No, I,
2: I didn't. But I'm. Uh, I'm Sean W78 on most things that matter. Uh, how about you, Kyle?
1: Uh, you can always find me at Barton.Kyle on Instagram, the only social media platform that matters. And with that, that just about wraps it up for this show. So if you haven't already, please subscribe to us. I'm the podcatcher of your choice. Just search for the Modern Woodworkers Association. While you're there, please leave us a review.
2: And thanks for listening. You can follow us on Instagram at MWA underscore podcast. And the best thing you can do, though, is tell a friend because word of mouth goes a long way in sharing our discussion.